0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, May 6th. Today I'm joined by Impact Alpha's editor and CEO, David Bank, to talk about the upcoming Agents of Impact call on Tuesday, May 10th. Hi, David. Hey, Brian. It's going to be a good one. And um, I'm going to share a conversation
1: I had with Kevin Jones from the Neighborhood Economics Gathering in Indianapolis. He's
0: this week's Agent of Impact. Well, I'm looking forward to that conversation. But first. Here's what you need to know from This Week in Impact Investing. In a rare nonprofit merger, the Uncharted Accelerator is folding itself into Common Future. Common Future is the Oakland-based network of local leaders, community foundations, and fellows who are focused on solutions to economic inequality. Uncharted is the Social Impact Accelerator spun out of the Unreasonable Institute. Rodney Foxworth will be the CEO of the Combined Entity is designing funds that use revenue-based finance and character-based lending to channel more capital to Black, Indigenous, rural, immigrant, and working-class communities. Here's Rodney explaining the model. When we think about character-based lending, it really is about relationship and understanding and context that entrepreneurs, small business owners, and individuals and communities have. And this is why we believe it makes sense for us to be able to really share the power and decision-making because common future is a national entity does not understand the localized context that a mortar in Cincinnati will understand given their relationships to small business owners and entrepreneurs in their communities. And so they have that real trust and understanding and set of relationships. It's really what Jessica Norwood uh, from runway would call bel- believe in you capital. Off-grid solar in emerging markets is finally pulling in large sums of commercial capital. Last week saw fund manager General Atlantic's Beyond Net Zero lead a $260 million round for Sun King, one of the leaders in solar lanterns. The question now is whether the off-grid players will continue their focus on energy access for low-income customers, or whether they'll face investor pressure to go upmarket. Tellingly, In 2020, the number of people in Africa without access to energy actually went up for the first time since 2013. We reported on a couple of other interesting deals this week. Concrete is responsible for at least 8% of all global emissions. Brimstone Energy raised $55 million to decarbonize cement. Their process uses calcium silicate instead of limestone, as limestone releases its stored carbon when heated. A byproduct of Brimstone's process, magnesium, also absorbs carbon from the air. MycoWorks raised $125 million for its animal free leather, made from mushrooms. There's a growing demand from fashion brands for low carbon and animal free leather handbags and footwear. The MycoWorks investment was the first deal for Decarbonization Partners, the $600 million fund launched by BlackRock and Singapore's Temasek last year. And finally, community lenders are starting to account for the carbon in their loan portfolios. Three community development financial institutions collaborated to calculate and disclose their portfolio's greenhouse gas emissions. Spoiler alert, it's a fraction of the big banks. In a guest post, Linnea Patterson of Coastal Enterprises in Maine, says community lenders can demonstrate that they are first movers on climate positive investment and disclosure. Now it's time for our future conversation Welcome back, David. What's happening at Impact Alpha? Well, Brian, we've been digging in
1: on the growing world of alt finance. You know, people have been complaining about the distortions and limitations of the venture capital model for a while. Now it seems they're getting serious about developing alternative structures to back startups and small businesses um, and new founders. We're going to pull some of those ideas together on that Agents of Impact call on Tuesday. So can you give me an example? Well, you had one in the headlines. Um, Common futures uh, support for pilots around character-based lending. We'll also have Kim Folsom of Founders First, who's doing revenue-based financing for kind of Main Street entrepreneurs. And then Johnny Price from WeFunder. Um, Equity crowdfunding has really taken off since the fundraising caps were lifted last year from $1 million to $5 million. That's enough to get a serious company off the ground.
0: So, and I understand the crowdfunding community uh, are trying to rebrand as community rounds. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a broader trend away, as I said, from this venture capital model. So, you know, crowdfunding had a little bit of a whiff of, uh, I suppose, uh, adverse selection. You know, you'd only go to the crowd if you couldn't get money from the VCs directly. Uh, So partly to, to shed that reputation um, but also to tap a much bigger set of investors, the new model is to go to your customers, to go to your users and raise money from, from them as a sign that you've got kind of a constituency, that you've got a community behind you. And that's really what's at stake in a lot of these models is um, bringing the community in as both investors as well as you know, recipients of, f- of financing to try to give the whole thing a kind of gr- grounding in you know, the real economy and real services for real people with real revenues.
0: So why is this referred to then as alt finance or alternative finance?
1: Well, that's a good question because it sort of probably puts it into a, a kind of a marginal niche. When really, it's probably going to be a bigger category than what has been, you know, seen as as traditional or mainstream the venture capital model. But the venture capital model itself was a, a sort of a creation of a of an earlier era, and um, and it has its use for kind of the you know the classic tech unicorns. But there's many other kinds of businesses that are perfectly good businesses with good revenues, good growth um, may not become. Uh, you know, world world dominant players, but um, are, are good investments. And lots of um, investors, it turns out, will want to get in on them as well, especially with the chop and the volatility in the rest of the markets.
0: So what is old is new again. What is alt
1: is new again.
0: <laughs> and coming up, uh, you're going to be speaking with this week's agent of impact, Kevin Jones, who uh, many of our listeners might know as one of the co-founders of the SOCAP, Social Capital Markets Conference. Is that right?
1: That is right. And that's what he's known for. uh, But we're sort of keying on what he's been doing since. And they sold SOCAP a few years ago. And he's now in Indianapolis at the Neighborhood Economics Conference. Well, without any further ado, let's jump into your conversation with Kevin. Kevin Jones, you're coming to us from Indianapolis. Tell us what you're doing there.
2: Well, we're doing a, uh, we've relaunched our neighborhood economics initiative. We did it about five or six years ago and it worked and then we went off to do some other things, but we realized that's the the principal thing that we're going to be working on. It's uh, economic justice uh, engaging across race, class, and neighborhoods and we're calling this conference catalytic capital at the local level. Catalytic capital is the capital that's needed for the folks who don't typically get it. People know you a lot from your
1: SoCap career, um, but this is this is all what you've been doing since then. And there's neighborhood economics. There's also faith and finance, and a number of other uh, initiatives that you've taken. I think uh, he- uh, headquartered from your farm in in near Asheville, North Carolina. That's right.
2: That's right. We have three, three kinds of capital that are showing up here in Indianapolis. So one are uh, a group of church endowments. And so a church gets endowed. You know, Eli Lilly is based here, and there's a lot of churches endowed by Lilly. We did a conference in uh Cincinnati, And, you know, the Proctors uh, endowed the Methodist churches and the Gambles endowed the uh, Episcopal churches. And so those endowments, they've been seen as kind of frozen storehouses. And now they're kind of seeing themselves as, you know, verbs that they need their assets to be moving according to their mission rather than just to be about preservation. And they have never worked really with the catalytic foundations, the Rockefellers, the MacArthur's, the Phillips, all those folks, and some of which are here. Uh, And and catalytic capital is this different, you know, it's a reaction to impact investing going to be market rate and also do good. And, you know, you can do impact investing at market rate, but you can't deal with structural injustice at market rate. There's centuries of structural injustice you have to work on. And so those two streams have never met each other. And we've always had a thing of of trying to find the strangers who could become unlikely allies at SOCAP. And so uh, there's a study by Bridgespan last year that said 40% of the social safety net in most cities is provided by communities of faith. But they only get 11% of big foundation funding. That's partly cultural bias or that's a perception that they'll be slow and they'll be divisive. And so those are two kinds of capital that have never met each other. And so we brought them together here to look at a common problem in one place, a city with uh, Indianapolis is the second leading city for evictions uh, and the leading city by per capita. So there, there's a lot of structural problems there. So those are two strains. The other strain are localists, people who want to invest to create a community that their grandchildren can come back to. So those are three kinds of capital. that are learning to work together on local problems and there's a process of discovery. So we've done that through a series of design labs like bridging the racial wealth gap and community equity investing and those sorts of things. You've got a concept, which I always liked, of a system
1: entrepreneur, that there's folks who help build the ecosystem. They don't necessarily reap the rewards. It's tough to get that role kind of financed. And yet it's essential for, like you say, bringing these unlikely allies together. Um, You finding some system entrepreneurs out there?
2: We always find system entrepreneurs. What we find is that they're hard to be funded because people have a linear aspect of, of the way they fund impact. And the system entrepreneur is one step removed from impact. They are the one helping the the person you want to fund create the change they want to make. And they're doing that to five or six people rather than their own thing. So they're like the midwives of change, but they always want to fund the babies. And so to get the babies, you need to fund the midwives. So we're finding a realization that patient capital should fund the person who is helping the ecosystem knit together to solve these systemic problems.
1: Are there, what are your, you know, you? I love this uh, unlikely allies, and you always do bring interesting folks together. Who, you know, who, what's, what's caught your eye or your ear there in Indianapolis?
2: So many things. I mean, what, you know, the the people doing endowments. So to change an endowment, you take about two or three steps. There's often an old fart on the board from a bank or somewhere who thinks that the, all they can think of is charity, and they are the giver, and they hand down to the people down below. And so if you think about investing in that community, they can't think about those people that way. So you have to get that person off the board and then you have to get a wealth manager who will let you put about 5% of your assets out at four or 5% return for local impact that creates jobs and creates wealth. So they've done a lot of that. And then they're finding from the catalytic uh, capital funders who are here, Phillips and other really good foundations, how they've actually done it before. So there's some people with a lot more expertise and there's people here who have money that's ready to move locally. And so we have people who are from endowed churches from all over the country uh, and and several locally. And so it's, it's people with money ready to move with people who know how to move money. That's one of the pretty interesting things. So we think there'll be some syndicates that will form around projects that they wouldn't have discovered before.
1: Are there innovations in the actual structures of financing that folks are using that that you think are have some so some promise? I mean, I as I say, we were talking about sort of alternatives to venture capital. Everybody's got a critique of how that distorts the market and distorts not only you know, what gets
2: funded, but who gets funded and, and all the rest. So what, what's what's coming up? I, I, one of the things that is most at scale is a thing called Neighborhood Investment Trusts, or Urban Institute has done a, a study and called it Community Equity Investing. And it's, it's really uh, neighbors investing in neighbors to save Black Wall Streets from predatory hedge funds that want to displace them. And they're doing it through a, a variety of, we have like seven groups doing it from Baltimore, Chicago, Seattle, Kansas City, and Crenshaw U.S., and Atlanta. And what they discovered is that they're all doing some form of it, and they're doing it in ways that the others aren't doing it. And so some are using tax credits, some are using philanthropic money, some are using faith-based money, some are using crowdfunding that, that causes uh, politics, uh, political power to, to go around them. So it's 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 kind of like, people have figured out the first hot rod and nobody's figured out the shape of the internal combustion engine. And so they're really interested to stay in conversation because each one is, you know, is solving it with something that's a little different than the other tool. But we find that to be really interesting because you could make about 5% annual return. So some of these endowments that are church endowments you know, can, can handle a 5% return on a, you know, a, a re, an appreciating real estate asset but you get less than regular return. But you five percent is a, an acceptable return. So they're stepping up to say, "I want to be part of that." So that's really interesting. The other is, you know, uh, equity before debt uh, that's paid back by revenue shares. So the community equity fund is one that I've been engaged with, and uh, you know. It, the big problem is that there's all these loan funds to try to reach marginalized communities and they don't get out the door because the people don't have friends and family funding where the runway problem tried to solve that problem. you know, The community equity fund solves it better. Uh, and so uh, Axion is a good example. They had uh, an accelerator that had 4,000 entrepreneurs of color go through over five years and only 1% could get either an Axion or a LISC loan on the back end because they don't have friends and family funding that helps them grow to become a job creator to be able to handle a loan and so the community equity fund is solving that problem and they've raised about 2.8 million and they've proven to be a job creator And so the thing that I think you're showing is that there are these pools of money,
1: there are obviously pools of need, and there's ways to connect them that has not been, you know, um, explored, partly because people just haven't been brought together in a, in a convening like yours to, to talk it through how, what the solutions might be.
2: The Neighborhood Investment Trust is an amazing vehicle that works anywhere where you have a business district in a marginalized community that's at risk from displacement, you know, and there's a variety of ways that you can get the community to invest in you know, neighbors investing in neighbors, but you also get philanthropic dollars. You get a catalytic venture philanthropy is really making a huge comeback. It's the soft money that makes so many of these deals work, and it can be paid back patiently at the back end. Uh, so I, you know, a, a resurgence of venture philanthropy as the soft money that makes debt work later. It's the money before debt, but it comes in as equity. and it's paid back by revenue share. And so all these isolated innovation are discovering that they have so much in common that they didn't realize. And so they want to stay together. They're on a Slack group, and we're trying to talk to a funder next week to try to keep the conversation going between the practitioners. who They've been feeling isolated and sometimes depressed because you're pushing a rock up a hill. And when they find that they're not alone, they get really energized. Well, I can imagine the
1: energy is, is high there as, as folks realize they're not alone. I love it. Catalytic Capital um, at the local level. Thank you, Kevin Jones. It's always great to talk to you.
2: I'm um, so great, David. Thank you so much for the attention. All
0: right. That's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to David Bank and to Kevin Jones. And thanks, as always, to our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. Subscribe to Impact Alpha to get full access, including the daily email, The Brief. Right now, we're offering podcast listeners $100 off their first year subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100. I'm Brian Walsh, head of sustainability for the capital markets firm TPICAP. Until next time, take good care.